I've always thought we needed more cowbell. You too, right? Yeah. Uh, if you haven't been at Waypoint very long, uh, let me let you in on something. We'll play almost anything. Um, if, if we think that song somehow fits with our weekend service, we'll play it because uh, we think music is an incredible trigger for memories, stuff that you can recall and that sort of thing. And if we can find a way to hijack that, we'll do that. So we just played an 80s song, uh, mostly because the series that we're doing, uh, we're, we're stealing something from a Netflix series called Stranger Things, and it's set in the 80s. And so for me, we could play any 80s song. I suspect there'll be more of a tie-in in that, and that's um, just sometimes what we do. Uh, we're using uh, this, the series, Stranger Things, uh, to help us consider some spiritual truths. Now, the TV show was about a battle between two worlds, one wanting to exert itself on the other. It's kind of a good old-fashioned, good versus evil sort of thing. And we've been making the parallels to how that's like our lives quite a bit. Where we're in this world, and our world wants us to adopt the attitudes, the values, the beliefs of, of the world that we live in. And, and God's coming to us and saying, really, I want you to take on my attitudes, my values, my beliefs, and when you choose to do that, when you choose to adopt these things, it gives you a chance to stand out. Now, not as an oddball, but as salt and light, as something that has value and purpose and meaning in the world. And if you would, if you would take on my stuff, you could do that. And so um, we've been kicking that around the last few weeks. We looked at salt and light. We looked at a lot of ways that we can adopt God's values. We're going to continue that today. And we're going to look at one. Uh, it's a value that kind of works its way into our lives in a way that we're used to. And so we don't see it coming. Here's what I think happens. Um, have, you ever, have you ever opened your calendar and you've looked at 30 days ahead, and every day there is something, and it's in the evenings, it's all over the place, and you look at that and you think, I'm going to go insane. And then you have this thought, I can do this, it's only for a season, right? Or you're experiencing a really stressful time with your family. There's something going on and it's pressing you and you're like, I don't know if I can get to the end of this. I don't know how much more I can take. And then you think, I can do this. It's only for a season. Or I've talked to some people, they'd like to get something started with their lives. I mean, they've been trying, they've been trying to move forward. And, and they kind of conclude, I guess this is just where I'm at right now, but it's okay because it's just a season. Now, I, I suspect that that's a pretty common way to think. How many of you have ever had that kind of thought yourself? I'm just in a season, it'll be okay. Would you raise your hand real fast if that's you? Yeah, a lot of us have that. It's no big deal, right? And it's kind of how you see life working. You kind of see it in our world we've become so comfortable with a season kind of thinking, however, that sometimes it shows up in our relationship with God. God, I, I'm not going to have time for you for a little while. It's no big deal. It's just a season. But we're not going to talk. I'm not going to be able to interact. I'm not going to be able to think about you for a little while. God, this value that you want me to have, 
that makes me salt and light in the world, man, in my situation right now, that's really inconvenient. That could cost me. So I'm, I'm just going to take a break from that. And it's just for a season. It's just going to be a little while. It's no big deal. I just need to do something else. God, these priorities that you have for me, I, I know you want me to engage with my family. I know these relationships matter, but it is just a bad season in my life. And so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to put those on the back burner. It's just for a season. It's no big deal. Except here's the thing that we all know to be true. If you're not careful in a season, even with the stuff that's in your own life, that season turns into a pattern that turns into habits that turn into a way that you live. And you start disconnecting from God just for a season, you tell yourself. And one day you wake up and it's a hazy shade of winter. There's no growth. The leaves have all fallen. The relationship is cold. Something happened that now caused everything to go dormant between you and God. It started as a season, and it grew into something else. And in this morning, I want to take you into a section of Scripture where God says, hey, this is an example of how this can happen and I was going to spend almost my whole time on the example. And as I was preparing for this week, scripture I was in. So I'm, cha- I'm changing the focus. I know we put some stuff on the screen already, but I've changed all of that. We're kind of going in a different direction. And I, I'm doing it because what God has in mind for you is that you'll be salt and light. And the section of scripture we're going to read is just one example of any number of things that can Enter into your life and start messing with you. And so we're going to use the one as a springboard, but we're not going to spend all of our time on the one. I want to take you to um, Matthew chapter 6. Remember, Jesus has already introduced the idea of salt and light, and he's going through and giving people examples of what it means to adopt God's attitudes, his values, his beliefs. And he's about to get to one that's going to... It's going to seem like, oh, this is a hard one. But it's bigger than what it seems. It's even more difficult. This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. He says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermins destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, what Jesus is describing here is an actual kind of storage unit that was built in ancient times. Everybody would have understood and known what he was talking about. You would put your food in there or your valuables in there. And the reason he used the two examples that he did was because that was the common thing that would happen with these kind of storage units. You'd put somebody out front and guard the back or the guard the front door and the thieves would pull an ocean 11 and tunnel through the thing that you had through the back and steal your stuff. Because they they were just like mud and sticks and that sort of thing to store things. And so Jesus knows exactly what he's talking about. He's using something from their culture. And he's saying, listen, be careful where you store stuff. In fact, he goes into verse 20, he says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. But he's not talking about the stuff that goes in there. He's talking about something that goes on inside our hearts, and we know that because in verse 21 he says, for where your heart, or where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. So he's talking to us about what's happening right here at the core of who we are. And then, then there's verses 22 and 23. He uses an example that we read, and it's kind of confusing at times. Um, I would have explained it more, but I'm not going to focus on this part of it. But it's, it was the eye being dimmed was how they would talk about what it meant to be generous or not. And so God talks about some generosity as he's talking about money right here and what people store up. But the payoff comes in verse 24. He says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, um, over the years, we have just chosen not to talk about money a lot here on the weekends. Uh, We've done that because there have been uh, a lot of Christian churches who have made it kind of a central focus of what they do, and it has so harmed uh, the perception that people have that my motives are going to be to find a way to get as much of your money as possible. And uh, that's not how we think about it. That's not how we see the scripture talking about it. So we don't take up an offering. We let... We let people figure out if they want to do that or not. There's something in the lookout hall they can find and give to that. And we've had a lot of people who've done that. And so Waypoint, Waypoint's blessed in that way. We feel very blessed. But one of the downsides that, I, that I've always felt with, with this tension about not being able to discuss this without having my motives like, oh, you're, you're just out to get us sort of thing, is that I suspect that we're just a bunch of normal people. And that if you're pretty normal, like everybody else in our culture, it means that money's probably messing up your life in some way. It has that ability. Um, for some of us, I mean, if you, if you look at the stats of what's happening to normal people, and we're a bunch of normal people, there's a lot of us in here who are living paycheck to paycheck. There are a lot of us in here who've run up large credit card debt and we're having a hard time even paying our obligations. There's a lot of us in here who have a hard time being generous to somebody else because if we gave any money away to somebody else, it would leave such a hole in our budget because everything is tight, everything is difficult, everything is hard. And that, and that kind of mess... I'd, I'd like to be able to talk to you because it creates stress in a relationship. It undermines your ability to honor God in ways that you could. And so, and so to be able to talk about that would be great. And maybe we'll come back and visit it. But this morning, I, this is just one example. He, he's going to talk about money here, but, but the solution that he's going to bring up is about a heart thing that's going on. And so that's what I want to focus on. I want to get to the heart. Because um, money actually can reveal, if you can be salt and light in the world, it'll show whether you're actually connected to God or not. It'll, It'll show if you're allowed to respond with a generous heart based on how you've lived with it. But so will the other things that Jesus is about to address here. He's going to use a different word. He's going to use a word um, that's a little odd. 
And it, it's, gonna, it's gonna cause you to think about what's going on in here. Because there are things that consume your mind and rule your heart that aren't God. And when that happens, that's the problem. That's why the payoff verse is in verse 24. He says, don't let anything, don't serve, what's the choice? Could you put it back up? Thanks. No one can serve two masters. He says no one can serve two masters. Now, for me, um, this is what really caught my attention and made me go, what? Now, first of all, uh, the thing that made me go, what, was it, it's translated the word serve here for us, because that's a really good word for our culture. We can live with that one. That, w- that would not have been the uh, more appropriate word. It would have been better if he would have said, the word that I think he would have used and intended to use in front of all of those people listening to him Jesus would have said, you can't be a slave to two masters. Now, he's talking to people who understand slavery. It is a part of their culture. And it happened in a lot of different ways. There, there were, there were, um, it was common for you to look at an obligation that you had, maybe a debt that you had, and you would sell yourself into slavery for a period of time with a a contract that says, if I do this for you for two years, you'll pay off my debt. And you, you would sell yourself into that situation. It was common in this ancient world for you to be a slave and to earn your freedom and to turn around and say, I love your family so much. I think it would be best if I stayed with you. I'm going to bond myself to you as a slave. I'm going to stay your slave, even though I'm free. There are a whole other group of people captured, forced into slavery, died in slavery, miserable, horrible life. All of those things have this stuff in common. When you became a slave, where you went, what you did, how you did it, all of that was controlled by another. Somebody else started controlling who you were, how you did it, when you did it, why you did it, Everything, when you slept, what you ate, when you ate, your freedom was gone. Even the guy who was free and sold himself for two years, his freedom is now gone. Now, Jesus uses that word slave with a bunch of people who understand it, but he uses it for something like this. How does this tell you what to do? Like, how does it communicate? How does it control you? It's, it's a thing, right? It's a thing that we've assigned value to. I know this because I was recently in a foreign country and nobody would take this. It was valueless to them. The only way I could spend money was to go and exchange it for their currency so that they would take it. Otherwise, worthless. So why is Jesus saying a thing that can't communicate to you, can't talk to you, can't set your schedule, can't do all of that stuff that a normal servant, a normal master would do to a servant, how can this thing control you? 
Well, it might have to do with something, um, the context that Jesus was talking about. Don't miss this. He starts by talking about storing stuff up. Why do people store things? I, I ask myself that question all the time when I go to our basement, right? I look around and like, why do we store things? But if you were to ask me, there would be some piles of that that I would say, oh yeah, we have to store this. It has value. It has value in my mind, and that's why we have to keep this. And my loving wife, who has a whole pile of junk in our basement, would say, no, I value this for a reason. And there's, there's an assigned value for that thing that you're collecting. Now, now here's what happens. Um, we value all kinds of things that mess with our lives that aren't the thing. It's the thing behind the thing. I have some examples. I think some people value security. By the way, every one of these that I'm about to mention, God wants to be the provider of that for you. But we get nervous about God providing our security, so we look somewhere else. And if I'm going to feel secure, maybe I'll get it from money. And so this thing behind the thing is what starts to drive me. And because I want security, I decide I'm going to collect more and more and more of this stuff. Some people do it for status. What they collect is for status. They, I'm just going to have more money. I'm going to have a bigger house. I'm going to have more stuff. I'm going to show you that I'm somebody. Why? Well, because I need my value affirmed. And instead of getting that from God, I've decided to get it from somewhere else. And so I go and I reach for other things. Some of us do it for love. God could provide us the love. But because we're afraid to rely on just God for that, we, we do all kinds of stuff to gather things in that cause us to feel love, and we do stuff for attention. And, and it's not always money that's the thing. Like, like security and wanting to have our value affirmed and love, those can, be, those can be gotten through lots of different ways. Some people do it through power. Like they collect power. They take the job promotion, not because they really wanted it, but because it gives them more power and now they feel affirmed. They feel like somebody. Some people collect praise. They, they have such a low sense of value about themselves that they are gathering anything that anybody would say about them that would make them feel good and they pile it up in their storeroom and, they, and they're, they're protecting it because that's, where their values found, what everybody else thinks about them. Some people gather up pleasure. It just satisfies them. And you have this thing behind the thing that starts to drive you. And that's how it becomes something that can control you. It has the ability to start controlling you 
because it wants to set your agenda. You have such a hunger for all of that. I, I want to be secure. And because I want to be secure, and this thing that I'm pursuing is the thing that gets it, that's what you see. And you pursue that with all of your energy. And it's, it's enslaved you, but it's not even the problem. You know how I know that? Because the scriptures talk about money all over the place. Uh, the scriptures would say it'd be a good thing for you to leave an inheritance, a financial inheritance to your kids. It's a good thing. It would say it's a good thing for you to save money. It's a good thing for you to be generous to other people. All of that stuff happens out of your excess. Like, wow, I've got this. I could give. I'm going to give. I want to be a part of that. That's not, that's not the problem. The problem is what happens in our hearts in our, in our minds, when we start to replace God, even if it's just for a season. God, I've got to move you out of the way for a season because this is a really difficult financial pinch that I'm in. And before you know, relying on God, pattern, you've got a habit in place. Relying on God for your worth, you are, you're replacing it with something else. And it literally could be anything else. He's using money as an example of one of those but out of fear, out of a desire to be valued or loved, we'll put all kinds of things in our place. And before you know it, you're being driven forward by the need for the thing that gets you what you really want. In the Netflix series, in the second season, Will, one of the young boys, is being pursued uh, by somebody from the upside down world who wants to control him. He wants to exert control. And there's a battle, battle, battle. He's trying to avoid it, trying to avoid it. He's feeling this tension that he's like being chased. And there's this one scene where it appears that boom, he's been, he's been taken. And pretty soon you start realizing that Will has become a spy for the upside down world. And he starts revealing things about what's happening in that world. And uh, there's a fascinating scene where he ends up tied to a chair by his friends and mom. And he's, his eyes are like bug eyes, right? Because they know he's been, he's been taken over by something else. Something else is consuming him. And uh, they decide to start communicating with him. And I love the way they do it. They, they use two things. They tell him stories to distract him. And of course, they play 80s music, right? And, and I want you to see the, the wrestling that goes on in this little clip because he's not completely gone yet. And when he's distracted, he's able to tap out a little bit of Morris code to help them figure out how to fight the upside down world. So check this out. Remember the first time I played you this? Mom and Dad were both arguing in the next room. So I played you the mixtape I made you. And it was the first time you got into music. Real music. Okay, got it. See? Should I stay or should I go? And then the party escaped into the sewers. And there were those big insect things, and you guys were still on level one. 
Science fiction is silly, right? Nothing can take over your life like that. But I imagine with enough stress, enough choices that you face in your life, with the issues of security and value and desire to be loved, if you're not careful, you can decide to push God out for just a season. And the season becomes longer, becomes a pattern that you've been living. And if you were honest right now, you would say the relationship between you and God has grown cold. And something else consumes your mind and consumes your heart. And if you want to prove for it, this is all you have to do. Go open up your calendar right now. Look at your calendar and look at how you use your time. Because you're a servant to either God or something else and you'll see it on your calendar. Go to your checkbook or bank account. Who uses checkbooks anymore? I know. Look at your bank account. How do you spend your money? It will reveal to you who your master is. Where's it going? Look at your free time. When you finally get some free time, how do you use it? Do you know? Maybe you're just doing it out of habit right now and you've never really even considered the way that you're living. When you get online, what do you do with your time? See, all of these reveal who's got mastery over you. And if, and if you've gone down a path where you started something for a season and then it grew into something where it really is starting to control you, you'll see it. It'll show up. Now, the, the, the beautiful thing is the fight's not over. J just like the picture of Will there, there's still a little bit of you in there that can fight back against this. But the same answer that he had is the same answer that you're going to have to come up with. You're going to have to find the thing that you're giving your allegiance to, decided I'm going to place my security in something besides God, then you've got to decide, I'm going to close the gate on that. I'm going to stop relying on that. It's why in the, this issue of money, God says, I want you to be generous. I want you to start giving it away. That was a way for me to close the gate. You're not going to hold me. I'm going I'm to put you aside. 
And this, this could happen in any way. If you've decided to gather the praise of people to give you your value and worth, then you may start looking for ways to just get that affirmation from God and stop collecting the other. Stop seeking it out. Close the gate on that or you will wake up having not realized that you've become a slave to another and you will start to despise what God wants from your life. You can't love them both. And you'll see his requirements on your life as annoying, irritating, too much, too far. And you'll miss that the reason he had those boundaries, the reason he gave you those values, those beliefs, were for you to have a life full of purpose and meaning, to be salt and light, and you'll miss out. You'll miss out because your heart is being ruled and your mind is being consumed by something else. And God wants us to choose him to be the thing that consumes our mind and rules our heart. That as we listen to his values, that as we follow him, he reshapes our lives in a way that is salt and light in the world. And if that's not you, you may have to get really honest about what's ruling your heart and consuming your mind so that you can get to a place where your love for God is first ahead of everything else. He becomes your master. This is who we are. And if you've allowed anything to get in the way of that, it may be time for you to just ask a simple question this morning. Is there something going on at the core of who I am that I need to close the gate on because I'm missing out on who I was always meant to be because I've let myself become a slave to a thing? Let me pray for you. God, I wanted to give your spirit just some time to talk. This is one of those things that it's hard to admit. It's hard to admit when we've let something else push you out of center part of our life. I mean, if you would ask us to our face, we would say we love you. And yet if you would look at our time and our energy, at our free time, it might communicate something completely different. Your values, your beliefs, your attitudes might not be showing up at all, which means something else is our master. God, I ask that you would give us the courage to explore this. Because if we have any hope, any desire to be salt and light, then you have to be primary. You, you have to be the one we follow. You have to get it all, not just parts and pieces of it when we have time and when we're available. So God, challenge us this morning. Our ability to be salt and light 
is at stake. So press us. In Jesus' name, amen.